What a beautiful afternoon, Mike. I'm not sure anything at Sellers Park could ever be described as beautiful. Ah, cheer up. It's the first day of the new season. A time for optimism. Sean Dice did a great job last year. The ginger ninja. The throaty goatee. <laughs> I can't wait to see how he gets on in his second season of management with us. Well, you'll be waiting a long time. Daishi's been given the old heave-ho. What? Why? He was doing a grand job. Who's in charge now, then? The new owners have installed Gianfranco Zola as head coach. Why are you telling me that? Who cares about the coach? Tell me who the manager is. There isn't going to be a manager. What? Well, that's not possible. How can a team not have a manager? The head coach is the gaffer. No, this is wrong. It's the newfangled way. It's definitely wrong. Completely wrong. Mark my words, no good can possibly come of this for Watford Football Club. Hornet Heaven Series 3, Episode 4 Not Quite Managing Earth Seasons 2012 to 2015 On the opening day of the 2012-13 season, two former Watford managers were in the away section at a sunlit Sellhurst Park just before the teams came out. They were finding it difficult to come to terms with one particular aspect of the Pozzo family's takeover of the club. This is a change too far. Neil McBain was a hard-drinking and hard-gambling Scot who'd managed Watford in the 1930s and 50s. You can't get rid of managers. Well, that's not entirely true, is it? Mike Keane sitting next to McBain, had been sacked as Watford manager in 1977. The club got rid of me, they got rid of you twice. Neil McBain smarted at the reminder. He looked round. He saw another former manager was joining them. It was Harry Kent, the man who'd become Watford's second ever boss in 1910. Kent! Have you heard what's happened? Yes, it's precipitate. Harry Kent was a straight-laced man of few words, and sometimes quite old-fashioned ones. Peremptory, he added. McBain said, Good. At last something we can agree on, Kent. McBain and Kent had never really got on in Hornet Heaven. Kent had heard the stories from the 1950s about McBain regularly stopping the team coach at a pub in Rickmansworth so he could get a drink. Harry Kent didn't approve. McBain continued, The manager's job at Watford has always been about much more than just coaching. Yes, I recall your role encompassed drinking and gambling. Ha! <laughs> Mock me if you like, but I contributed over and above. 
1932, I dug a new staircase into the banking at the Vicarage Road end. The sole enduring feature of your tenure before you sought employment at the club that dare not speak its name. For God's sake, how many times do I have to tell you, Kent? Shut up about that! Mike Keane tried to make peace between the managers. Come on, let's not argue. In our time, all of us were important to the club. Until we weren't important anymore. For a few moments, the three ex-managers sat silently, contemplating this truth. The scars from their departures still ran deep. McBain said, My point remains. We weren't just coaches. We were their managers. And football teams need managers. Suddenly there was a roar as the Palace and Watford teams emerged onto the pitch. The three men watched. Harry Kent said, Observe, gentlemen, we are going to have a manager after all. A multitude, in fact. Neil McBain and Mike Keane wondered what Kent was talking about. Then they noticed that every single Watford player had the words football manager on the front of their shirts. Kent said, must be their new job titles. Eleven managers? Seems a bit too newfangled to me. This is a nonsense. They can't all be the manager, especially if one of them's Joe Garner. McBain turned away in disgust. He noticed a real-world fan who was sitting a few seats along. The fan also had the words football manager on her brand new shirt. Her as well? But she's a fan! What does she know? He looked deeper into the stand. Look, there's hundreds of them that have been appointed manager. I was jesting about it being a job title, McBain. You, Kent, joking. Football manager is the name of the new sponsor. Right, I see. So... Street-laced Harry Kent does comedy these days, does he? I'm changing with the times. I do epic banter now. Well, change isn't always for the better. Believe me, Watford will never get promoted to the Premier League as long as they have a head coach instead of a manager. Mike Keane said, Oh, God, really? Never is a long time in Hornet heaven. I know what I'm talking about. If I'm wrong, I'll... I'll eat my hat. Harry Kent's strict morals and his disregard for Neil McBain's morals meant he never let the Scotsman get away with anything. He said, You don't have a hat. All right. I'll eat someone else's then. You watch me. I'll eat the biggest hat in Hornet heaven. Harry Kent was a man who rarely smiled, but he did so now. I shall hold you to that, McBain. Who's Baldy? A short, hairless man was frantically waving his arms in Watford's technical area. It was 14 months later, December the 21st, 2013. Neil McBain was sitting in the away stand at Portman Road with Mike Keane. 
Baldy is called Beppe, it says here, Mike Keane replied, looking up from the Ipswich programme. They've got rid of Zola. Shame. He was a nice man. Nice counts for nothing. Zola was never going to get us promoted. Besides, he was only head coach. You need a manager. He got us pretty close. Neil McBain cast his mind back to the end of the previous season, when Watford so nearly won automatic promotion to the Premier League. As he did so, he noticed that Skilly Williams was squeezed into the seat in front of him. Skilly was arguably the best goalkeeper in the first 75 years of Watford history, and certainly the podgiest. On the field, the man used to wear his shorts almost up to his nipples, and here in Hornet Heaven, he still wore the huge, round, flat cap he'd regularly sported between 1913 and 1926. It was the biggest hat in Hornet Heaven. McBain looked at Skilly's hat. He swallowed hard. If Watford had beaten either Leeds or Crystal Palace back in May, it would have been knife and fork time. McBain focused on the new man in the technical area again. He asked Mike Keane, So, is Beppe's job title head coach or manager? Head coach. We're doomed. Eight months later, away to Charlton in September 2014, Neil McBain sat with Mike Keane in the Jimmy Seed stand at the Valley. McBain stared at the dark-haired man in Watford's technical area. Who's Beardy? Mike Keane knew where this was going. Oscar Garcia. And yes, he's head coach, not manager. Neil McBain glanced at Skilly Williams' massive hat a few rows away. No need for ketchup any time soon. Four games later, McBain and Keane sat in the rookery end for the home match with Brentford. McBain gazed glumly at another new man in the technical area. Who's... Uh, uh... The new man was clean-shaven, with a full head of hair. I don't know how to describe him. The club's got through so many head coaches, they've run out of people with distinguishing features. Two games later, at Sheffield Wednesday, yet another man was prowling the technical area at Hillsborough. Neil McBain clutched his head as he sat next to Mike Key. You think they'd learned their lesson and get a manager, not a head coach? Oscar Garcia lasted four games, Billy McKinley lasted two. At the current rate, this will be Slavisa Jakanovic's only match, Mike said. If the current rate continues, the next one will leave at half-time on Tuesday night against Forrest. Mike Keane thought some more about the maths of the situation. He quickly worked out that if each new head coach continued lasting half as long as the previous one, the planet would run out of available human beings before the final whistle blew against Forrest. Why can't they just appoint a proper manager? I really want us to get promoted to the Premier League. McBain glanced at Skilly Williams, who was sitting nearby in the row in front. You know, 
Things are getting so desperate. I reckon I might actually be glad to... Glad to... what? What I'm saying is, promotion feels so far away that I'd... I'd just like a taste of it. What are you talking about? Pass me Skilly's hat. I just want a little lick. Eight matches later, Slavisa Djukanovic was still in charge for the away game against Fulham at Craven Cottage on December the 5th, 2014. Though Neil McBain wasn't quite sure how. Watford had lost their last four games. McBain was itching for the doomed head coach experiment to end. Despite this, he and Mike Keane thoroughly enjoyed the early part of the match, especially when Fulham's goalkeeper was sent off for giving away the penalty that put Watford two up after 20 minutes. In front of them, Skilly Williams manoeuvred his sizeable frame so he could stand on his seat. Skilly started a chant. Dodgy keeper! Dodgy keeper! McBain laughed. He pointed at Skilly and chanted, Podgy keeper! Podgy keeper! All the Hornet Heaven residents in the Putney end joined in. Mike Keane didn't stop giggling until Troy Deeney scored Watford's third another 17 minutes later. At half-time, McBain bumped into Harry Kent. Oh, Kent! Haven't seen you for a while. I've been busy occupying myself with something you should have done, McBain. Studying how to be a better manager. Well, you won't get better by watching head coaches. Especially this jocker joker. He's lucky Fulham are so terrible. There's no way we're getting promoted. I haven't been observing head coaches. I've been learning from a computer. What? Where did you develop computer skills? You died in 1948. It's called Football Manager. You must remember the sponsor on the team shirt. Of course I do, but what is Football Manager? It's a simulation. Isn't that what Fernando Forestieri gets booked for? Harry Kent sighed. He took McBain to stand over the shoulder of a fan from the land of the living who was playing Football Manager on an iPhone. Kent explained all the statistical variables that, within the computer game, could be altered to affect the outcome of matches. McBain said, Ugh, that's just completely unrealistic. Where's the button that lets you shout at players more? In our day as managers, that's all we needed, shouting. And a few extra knee bends. Those were the key to success. Kent pointed out examples of the tactical choices available within the simulation game. McBain started to grumble. This kind of stuff never existed in our day. It's not fair. Why? It gives modern-day head coaches the chance to be better than we were as managers. And it means that even fans know far more than we did. That can't be right. Well, they think they know more. No change there, then. McBain carried on watching the fan playing football manager. So who collects all the data and turns it into a game? That person must know more about football than anyone else on the planet. He's called Miles Jacobson. He's a Watford fan. Come with me. He's here tonight. 
As the second half kicked off, Kent and McBain found Miles Jacobson sitting in the director's box next to Gino Pozzo. McBain stared at Jacobson. This guy? How can this guy know more about football than anyone else on the planet? Look at the state of him! Hold your tongue and listen. You'll learn something. Jacobson said to Gino, A 3-0 up away from home, you need to switch to a counter-attacking setup. We should sit deep and bring on fast-breaking midfielders. Lloyd Dyer's on the bench. He's just the man for this situation. Neil McBain couldn't stop himself from laughing. Lloyd Dyer! Ha! I wouldn't have him in me under nines, team! Wait and see. Miles will be proved correct, Harry Kent insisted. Jacobson continued. Alman Abdi's done brilliantly tonight, but he's not the fastest. Slav needs to take Abdi off and bring on Dyer. Harry Kent nodded. Profoundly wise words. Miles Jacobson is truly omniscient. Kent and McBain turned back to the pitch. 25 yards out, Alman Abdi received the ball took one touch and fired it into the top corner of Fulham's goal. Neil McBain screamed with joy. He grabbed Harry Kent round the head and jumped up and down. He laughed and laughed and laughed. <laughs> That's what I bloody love about football. No one actually knows bloody anything. From that day on, Neil McBain, Harry Kent and Mike Keane spent hours and hours watching fans play football manager. Like thousands of people all over the world, they became addicted to it. They also began to feel knowledgeable about football in a way that hadn't been available to them when they were the managers. It turned out that shouting and knee bends probably hadn't been the key to success after all though Neil McBain still believed that even today, the cure for all on-field injuries was cold water. The magic sponge, he thought, should definitely be built into the football manager game engine. On the 24th of January 2015, the three of them went to the home game against Blackpool. Watford were in sixth place in the league table, and Jukanovic was still in charge. But the Hornets reached half-time 2-0 down. Back in May Day, I wouldn't have had a clue how to turn this around. Must have been the whiskey. That's a cheap shot, Kent. Just like your whiskey. Shut up! What I mean is, here in 2015, thanks to Football Manager, I know exactly what needs to change. Mike Keane said, Go on then, what's the answer? It's obvious. In a situation like this, a team needs a bits and pieces goal scorer. Someone who's always in the right place at the right time. But Odie Negalo's football manager rating for his positioning skills is only eight. That's below par. We definitely need to sub him off. Definitely. But when Watford took the field for the second half, the player that Slavisa Djukanovic had subbed off at half-time was Tommy Hoban. Ben Watson came on. Neil McBain said, Big mistake. Watford promptly scored seven goals in the second half, 
The sixth goal came when Troy Deeney shot cannon back from a post and smacked off the head of the perfectly positioned Odion Igalo. Igalo had his hatchet. McBain burst out laughing. He danced with joy. He grappled with Mike Keane and Harry Kent in a tangle of leaping limbs. No one knows bloody anything, especially me. But as he headed for the ancient turnstile afterwards, McBain thought about the head coach's pivotal half-time substitution. He began to think that Jakanovic did actually have what was required to get Watford promoted after all. Even though the man didn't have the job title of manager. McBain went out into Occupation Road and saw a crowd of Edwardian Watford fans hurling their hats into the air in excitement at the most incredible second-half turnaround they'd ever seen. McBain was excited too. So excited that when he noticed Skilly Williams's hat flying higher than anyone else's, he was tempted to go and catch it between his teeth and get chomping straight away. The penultimate game of the 2014-15 season was away at Brighton, at the Amex Stadium. For months, Jakanovic had been successfully tweaking formations and tactics during games. Watford were now top of the table, but needed to win their final two matches to be certain of promotion to the Premier League. Neil McBain, Mike Keane and Harry Kent went to the match together. But after 20 minutes, they were feeling frustrated. It was still nil-nil. Watford were getting nowhere. Something has to change. What does football manager say we should do? I witnessed a fan playing earlier. He had the answer. He replaced Juan Carlos Paredes with Cristiano Ronaldo. The three of them carried on watching for another five minutes. Watford still weren't making any headway. It's going to be okay. Jocker will see us right. In Jocker, I trust. You've changed your tune. You do know he's still only head coach, not manager. You said we'd never win promotion under a head coach. I did say that, but I'm ready to admit that people like us have no idea how football actually works, even after studying football manager. But we were real managers. Aye, and we didn't have a clue. If we'd known how football actually works, we'd all have won every week. So what about Jocker? Does he know how football works? We're just about to find out. They looked across to the technical area. Jokanovic was making a tactical substitution after 26 minutes. Daniel Tozer was coming on for a catchy anya. Mike Keane looked vacantly at Harry Kent and shrugged. Harry Kent looked vacantly at Neil McBain and shrugged. Neil McBain shrugged back. In Joker, I trust. Three minutes later, the ball dropped to Odi Igalo in the Brighton penalty area at the far end. Igalo flicked it to Troy Deeney. Deeney took a touch with his left. 
and dispatched the ball with his right. Watford were 1-0 up. McBain, Keane and Kent grabbed each other and bounced ecstatically for a full two minutes, oblivious to anything except their own joy. Eventually, Neil McBain broke away from the others. He hurdled the advertising hoardings and sprinted onto the pitch. Play had restarted, but McBain ran past Gabrielle Angela and Matt Connolly. He arrived at the touchline by the technical area. He knelt down in front of Slavisa Djukanovic. He raised his arms and bowed down to Watford's greatest gaffer in a decade, regardless of job title. Fifty minutes later, just before the hour mark of the Brighton match, Neil McBain made his way to the director's box. He was so excited about Djukanovic's success in the dugout that he wanted to eavesdrop on what Gino Pozzo might be saying about the brilliant head coach. He was convinced the owner must be planning to give Jocker a juicy new contract in the Premier League. As he entered the director's box, McBain spotted Miles Jacobson again. Jacobson was saying, One nil up away from home, you need to switch to a counter-attacking setup." McBain was pretty sure he'd heard this before somewhere. Vidra's on the bench. He's just the man for this situation. Oh, give it a rest, Jacobson. What do your computers know? Jock is the man who knows. McBain sat down next to Gino and cocked an ear for any idle chatter about a new contract for the head coach. Five minutes later, Macha Vidra came on for Odi and Igalo. Thirty-five minutes later, in added time, Craig Cathcart played the ball down the line to Troy Deeney to start a counter-attack. Deeney took the ball on and looked up. In the middle, unmarked, was Macha Vidra. Troy swung the ball across. Vidra chested it down, took a touch with his right and dispatched the ball with his left. The away end beyond him exploded with yellow noise. Neil McBain leapt out of his seat. He raised his arms to the sky. Tears started to pour down his cheeks. He turned and saw Miles Jacobson jumping up and down, hugging anyone and everyone. McBain ran over and planted a huge kiss on Jacobson's face. Did Jacobson know anything about football? Did his computers? McBain didn't care. All that mattered was that these people were Watford. And these people were very very happy. Two and three-quarter hours later, in the land of the living, Watford's promotion to the Premier League was confirmed when Middlesbrough and Norwich dropped points in their afternoon games. But this wonderful news had no way of reaching Hornet Heaven. So the residents had an anxious week not knowing what Watford would need to do in the final game to win promotion. The following Saturday, Neil McBain, Mike Keane and Harry Kent 
gathered in the atrium to await the arrival of the programme for the final match of the season at home to Sheffield Wednesday. It would tell them the results of the other matches since the final whistle at Brighton. The atrium was packed. Neil McBain looked around. He was tingling with nerves. He reckoned every single Watford fan in Hornet Heaven must be there, waiting for the programme, feeling exactly the same way. There'd be people, he realised, who had supported the club under every manager from Johnny Allgood in 1903 to Slavisa Djukanovic. And yes, he was calling Slavisa Djukanovic a manager, as far as he was concerned. McBain turned to his friends to see how the nervous weight was affecting them. Mike Keane looked absolutely worn out. No change there. Harry Kent was standing erect in his dark suit. He had his hands behind his back. You look tense, Kent. Are you ready for this? I am fully prepared, McBain. But I don't think you are. I'm more ready than I've ever been. This season I've learned a lot about how football works. From football manager, from joker, but also from the patch of sand in our penalty area at the Amex Stadium that made a definite Brighton equaliser bounce wide in a way no one could possibly have predicted. So I'm ready for anything. No, you're not. I promise you, I am. Harry Kent brought his hands out from behind his back. He was holding Skilly Williams's huge cloth cap. McBain took the hat. Oh, I see. Okay. I definitely am ready now. That looks delicious. Suddenly, a cry went up. Programs in! A hush came over the atrium. Now everyone in Hornet Heaven would hear what had happened since the Brighton game. Bill Mainwood stepped forward and plucked a copy of the Sheffield Wednesday programme from the shelf. Without glancing at it, he took it over to Henry Grover, the father of the club. Henry composed himself. He peered down at the golden front cover. He read three words at the top of the page and looked up. Every eye in Hornet Heaven was trained on him. His own eyes started to fill. The three words had been Souvenir Promotion Edition. Henry threw the programme in the air and shouted, We're up! The whole of Hornet Heaven shrieked and roared and cheered and howled. The glass of the atrium shook. The floor reverberated. People jumped. People hugged. People cried. In the middle of it all, Neil McBain stood and watched, soberly taking the moment in, absorbing how much it meant to how many people. Then he lifted Skilly's hat, and with a big smile, took a great big happy bite. End of episode four.
The next episode of Hornet Heaven will be Series 4, Episode 1. Hornet Heaven was created and written by Watford fan Ollie Wicken. It was read by Watford fan Colin Mace. It was produced by Watford fan John Mooney. Music by Watford fans Steve Joy and Jeff Wicken. Thank you.